All right, welcome everybody. You guys can come on back in and find a, find a place that you can sit down and listen. You can feel free to catch up with your friends more after the service. If you're a guest here this morning, we want to welcome you. We're so glad that you chose to join us today and hopefully you'll enjoy today's service. I wasn't super excited about how I was going to start my sermon. Like I, I wrote my sermon and I felt like my intro was just trash and I was like, oh man, I don't know what to do to start this thing. And then uh, I had, had something planned, but then in the pre-service prayer, before the services, we have prayer um, over in the fellowship hall at 945. If anybody ever, anybody ever wants to join us, you're welcome to. Um, during that time, Nicole Yo saw a picture and she shared it and I was like, that's a perfect way to start my message. She said she saw a picture of someone going out into the ocean and you could kind of picture like maybe somebody who was like a professional surfer. Maybe the way that they enter the ocean might be a little bit different than a western New Yorker. You know, they kind of head out there with their surfboard and they dive into a wave and they come out the other side and everything looks good. But then a western New Yorker goes down there and they think they're going to like dive into the wave and then they get hit and then they're getting twisted like an alligator's trying to kill them or something. They're choking on salt water like it's horrible. Yeah. So... <laughs> Sometimes that's how life feels. It's like life throws waves at us, and those waves that come at us, sometimes they can take us out. And I want to talk to you this morning about how you can deal with the waves that life throws at you, how you can come out the other side better and not bitter, how you can get through the waves and the challenges of life and come out the other side of that challenge better rather than bitter. I want to look at 2 Timothy this morning. We're going to read verses 4 through 8, and then we're going to skip down to verse 14 and read for a while. It'll be up on the screen. You can follow along with me. It says, But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness with which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only me, but to, all, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Skip down to verse 14. Alexander the metalworker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I, will and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every attack, and, I will, and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom." To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Oniphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimusic and Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, so does Putins, Linus, and Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. I'll have a tip jar in the foyer for getting through all those names, and I would... <laughs> Appreciate you guys helping me with my kids' college fund. Pretty proud of myself for that. So this is a letter that Paul wrote. It's in 2 Timothy. It's actually called one of his 
pastoral letters. Some of Paul's writings are more apostolic and more global, but this particular letter is more pastoral. It's one of my favorite books that Paul wrote. It's written from more of of a pastor's heart, and Paul is more open and vulnerable. Sometimes if you read Paul's writings, like he seems like a superhero, but when he writes these writings, he's much more real. He's much more authentic. This is who Paul really is. He doesn't usually major in theological issues in these types of books. It's more like someone who is a seasoned veteran, giving the tips and tricks of the trade to those that are coming behind them. It's like a shepherd who's been through all kinds of situations, and he's, he's talking to these younger protege shepherds and telling them, this is how I made it. This is how I survived. This particular letter actually is at near the end of Paul's life, and there's a lot of wisdom in these letters that Paul wrote. He's not speaking from the perspective of a young evangelist. He's speaking from the perspective of a seasoned minister who has finished the course that was set before him. He's walked through all kinds of stuff. And he's not just older, he's been seasoned. And you're not just seasoned in life because you age. It doesn't, seasoning doesn't necessarily come with age. Season, seasoning oftentimes comes through suffering. And Paul has suffered. Walking through suffering, if any of you have gone through suffering, has a way of bringing who you are to the surface, like who you really are. You might be able to keep it at bay in your normal everyday life, but you walk through suffering, and who you are comes to the surface. And then you have a choice, like what are you going to do with who you are? You can brush it under the rug, you can hide it, or you can deal with who you are. And if you deal with who you actually are, you'll be able to come through that suffering better as opposed to bitter. If you actually let the Lord deal with who you are when it comes to the surface, Your life can become like a refreshing spring to those people around you. But if you don't, if you try and hide who you are and just brush it under the rug, then your life becomes like a poisonous well, and you end up poisoning the relationships around you. We've been talking about relationships for the last six weeks, and if we're going to want to get to have healthy relationships, we need to come through life's challenges better and not bitter, because if we come through bitter, we'll end up poisoning the relationships around us. I want to give you a little bit of a background on Paul's life. Uh, He's writing this letter to Timothy, and Paul has learned to live with plenty, and he's also learned to live in lack. In order to be seasoned, you have to be able to walk through the things that life throws at you, all the ups and downs, and Paul has walked through a lot of ups and downs in his life, and he's handled everything. Paul is actually a highly educated man. He's very smart. He's multilingual. He's been trained by some of the best thinkers of his day. He's well-spoken. He's articulate. Paul also has been persecuted. Paul has a super unique perspective because Paul was someone who was doing the persecuting, and now Paul has been persecuted. If you'll remember, Paul was actually there when the first apostle was murdered, when Stephen became the first martyr, Paul was actually complicit in his murder. He was literally holding the coats of the men that were murdering Stephen. So Paul knows what it's like to be be the attacker, and now as a believer in Christ, now he knows what it's like to be attacked. Paul also was like so proficient in the Old Testament law 
that he was actually someone who was looked up to as someone who knew the Old Testament laws when he was a Pharisee. But now as a believer, he's someone who's not so much respected. In fact, he's been laughed out of the temple for his perspectives and his beliefs. Paul had to go through the process of letting go of the law and embracing grace. And you know, sometimes in our lives, we can hold so tightly to what God did that we can miss out on what God's doing right now. And that's what Paul had to go through the process of learning to let go of the law and embrace grace, named Jesus. Then Paul is sent to the Gentiles. And being sent to the Gentiles was like the last place that Paul would have wanted to go. The Gentiles were filled with all types of debauchery, all type of sin and nonsense, and Paul would have not wanted to go there. In fact, the Gentiles were looked down on by the people that were around them. And that's who Paul is sent to minister to, to people who are despised and disdained and rejected. And sometimes when you minister to people who have been rejected, you yourself end up getting rejected. That's exactly what happened to Paul. Paul went to minister to these people that were rejected, and then he himself ends up getting rejected as he's even being laughed out of the temple. And then you'd think like Paul was rejected by these people, but you would think that he would be accepted by the believers. But Paul wasn't even accepted by the believers. Maybe you'll remember that Paul wanted to be accepted by the apostles. After his conversion, after he gave his life to Christ, he wanted to be accepted by the apostles. But the apostles were like, I don't really know about this guy. Like, I kind of watched him be there when Stephen got murdered. And I've heard all about all this stuff, all about Paul's past. I don't know about him. And, you know, like also, like he wasn't there. He didn't walk with Jesus like we did. He wasn't there when, when, the, when the woman pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment and was healed. He wasn't there when Peter walked on water and then started to fall in and Jesus reached down and grabbed him. He wasn't there when we saw the bread and the fish literally be multiplied to feed the multitude. He wasn't there for any of that. So, so Paul wasn't even accepted initially by the believers. Paul knows what it's like to be rejected. He's been rejected by his friends when he gave his life to Christ, and now he's been rejected by believers because of his past. And then Paul says, eventually he says, it's his life is being poured out like a drink offering, meaning his life that was full has gradually been poured out. Sometimes we walk through stuff in life, and the stuff that we walk through we go through something and it feels like that thing just kind of took a little bit out of us and we're not who we used to be. Maybe you survived the divorce, but you lost a little bit of who you were in the process. Maybe you survived a failed business, but some of you are who you are was poured out in the process. Maybe you survived raising teenagers, somebody pray for me, but some of who you were was lost in the process. Maybe you survived a broken relationship, but it cost you something. You made it through the funeral, but you don't feel like you came out the other side the same. You walked with parents that were dying, and you made it to the end, and you loved them well, but you feel like you lost something in the process. Maybe you feel like you beat cancer. It was a huge ordeal in your life, and you beat it but man, chemo took a lot out of you. 
the things in life that we walk through, they cost us something. I'm thirsty. I don't want to pour it all out on the ground. And here Paul says his life is being poured out to the last drop. Here he says, I'm about to have all that I am poured out and be done. We walk through stuff in life and we go through things and it's like, man, sometimes it takes a lot out of us. It's not so much age that catches up with us, it's the experiences that we have to walk through. And some of you have walked through some stuff in your life. You've gone through some stuff, you survived, but man, it feels like it cost you. Now you feel like you walk through life almost like with a limp. You're walking through life and it feels like you're carrying baggage, like there's weight on your shoulder. You don't have the skip in life that you used to have, and now you're still going through life. You've made it, but it's cost you. Some of you feel like you lost so much of who you are that it's a miracle that you're even standing today. You're covered in battle wounds from the stuff that you walk through, but you're still here. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm still here. I'm still here this morning. I'm not the same as I was. I'm not who I used to be, but I'm still here. You started out driving the car of your life, And it started with a full tank, and eventually that tank went down to three-quarters of a tank. Then it went down to a half a tank. Then it went down to a quarter of a tank. Then it went down to an eighth of a tank. And the further you go in life, the more you have to pour out, the more it costs you. It's not so much the age of the car that's the trouble. It's the mileage that adds up. It's the wear and tear. If you took a new car and you put it in a climate-controlled environment and you went in there and, and washed it and waxed it every week, that thing would look brand new for the rest of its existence. But if you take that thing and you put it out on the open road, eventually you'll start to see some wear on tear on that thing. You put a teenager behind the wheel, it might get some bumps and bruises along the way. You drive that thing through a western New York winter, you're surely going to see the wear and tear add up on that thing. Eventually, that thing will be sitting behind a plow truck at a stoplight, literally having salt thrown on the hood of that, and some spots are going to start to appear. It's going to start to rust. It's going to start to get some wear and tear on it. Some of you feel like that car that's got some mileage on it, some wear and tear. Some of you have been through betrayal. Some of you have lost friends. Some of you have walked through stuff in life that you thought for sure you would never make it out the other side. Some of you stepped into dreams only to see those dreams be crushed right in front of you. And now you're sitting there with a broken dream wondering how to move on. Some of you drove that car of your life down some dusty, dirty roads. How many of you have ever been through some dry seasons in your life that felt like, man, I don't even know, and that car gets to the end of that road and it has some dust on it, it has some wear and tear on it. Sometimes the car of our life gets stuck in mud, bury that thing to the axle, and you look around at your life and you think, man, I don't even know how to get out of this mess I made. Sometimes we're driving down the road and the car of our life ends up in the ditch in a wreck, and we can't even get the car out on our own. We have friends who have to come along and help us out of the ditch of our life. 
but our car's got some bumps on it. It's got some bruises on it. Some of you this morning, as you heard me share this, you're swallowing the lump in the back of your throat as you remember some of the stuff that you've gone through, and you wonder if I'm speaking to you, and you kind of want to hide and run away right now because you're uncomfortable, but don't worry, there's about 150 other people that feel the same way. Yes, I am talking to you. I'm talking to each one of you because we all go through dark days. We all go through hard stuff in our life that we feel like would take us out, but we've come out the other side, but we're not the same. And here Paul is writing this letter, and he's been through some stuff. Paul has been through some stuff that most of us haven't even been through. He's been thrown in prison after prison. He's been beaten. He's been kicked out of town after town. He was stoned and left for dead. He tried to obey God and get on a ship to go to the next place, only to have the ship destroyed. And he's hanging onto a raft like it's Titanic, just trying to survive. And wondering, God, like, why did you tell me to go here if I'm going to end up in this mess right now? Paul has been through some stuff. This is the man that wrote this portion of Scripture. He's at the end of his life after walking through all this stuff, and he writes to Timothy, who's his son in the faith, and he says, Timothy, you're going to go through some days where you want to quit. You're going to walk through some stuff in life that you feel like I'll never be able to recover from this. But I've made it to the end of my life, and I'm telling you, it's worth it. But you got to get up. you got to get up and continue to walk this walk that's in front of you. And actually what Paul does is he gives Timothy six keys in this portion of Scripture Six keys to get through life. Six keys to survive the challenges we walk through and actually to, to thrive in the hard stuff of life that we walk through. He says, if you want to come out the other side better and not bitter, let me give you some, some gold from my life that I paid a high price to learn so that you can come out the other side better and not bitter. How many of you guys want to walk through the stuff of life and come out better on the other side? I don't want life to take me out, but I want to end up better for the stuff that I had to walk through. So I'm going to give you six keys. Actually, Paul's going to give Timothy six keys that I'm going to share with you this morning. And because there's six of them, I'm going to have to run through them quick. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is to write them down. Maybe hop in the notes folder of your phone and make a list of them. Maybe write on a piece of paper. Maybe steal an offering envelope and write on that. And I want to encourage you to find some time this week with God. Maybe get up early a couple mornings. Maybe stay up late after the kids go to bed. Get some time with God and look at these six things. And my belief is that probably you'll find some of these things that you have put to work in your life already that have caused you to be able to be here this morning, to survive the challenges of life. But there's probably going to be a few that you haven't actually put into your life yet. And just ask the Lord that sometime this week, say, God, like, which of these things do I need help putting into my life so that I can come out the other side better instead of bitter. The first thing that Paul says to Timothy is to remember your calling. To remember your calling. This is in verse 5 and 6. He says, But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. Here Paul's in the last days of his life. And he's not only telling Timothy to do this, he is telling Timothy to do this, but he's also modeling for Timothy doing this. Like he's at the end of the road 
And he could justifiably like just lay down and lick his wounds for some of the insanity that he had to go through in his life. But he's not doing that. He's ministering with his last breath. He's ministering with his last words. He's taking the, the stuff that God did in his life and he's handing it off to Timothy and saying, this is what helped me. Let it help you too. No matter where you're at in your walk with God, no matter where you are, we're all in a different place, God has a ministry for you. I'm not the only person. Pastor Ben is not the only person who's called to ministry. Every single person who's here this morning is called to ministry. If you've been saved and given your life to Jesus for just 30 seconds, God says, welcome to the family. Here's a ministry I have for you. Welcome to the family. Turn around and start helping other people back into the lifeboat. You don't have to know every theological idea and concept. All you need to be able to do is say, look, Jesus saved me and set me free, and I want that for you too. Would you join me in the family? Would you come walk with me wherever you are today? Whether you've been saved for 30 years or 30 seconds, God has a ministry for you. Some of you know that I, uh, I kind of got into personal finance a little bit, and um, that's kind of become like a little bit of a hobby for me. I know it's weird and nerdy. Why would that be a hobby? But it is for me. I'm sorry. But there's kind of this idea about people that are rich or people that are wealthy or make a lot of money that they're like evil and they did it on the backs of other people and they're misers and they're just keeping for themselves. But as I dove into this community, what I actually found was completely different. And it was really surprising to me. I found tons of people that did well and were successful and put various principles into their life that helped them, things that they learned. And they're very, very happy and quick to turn around and give away those principles that they learned. They might call it giving back. They might call it paying it forward. But they're very, very quick to turn around and say, hey, this is some stuff that I learned in my life that made a huge difference, and I want you to learn that stuff too. And that's kind of what Paul is saying here, is that each one of us have a ministry. Each one of us have stuff that we can give to the people that are coming behind us. I want you to just close your eyes for, for just, a, just a second. And I know you guys have been through some stuff, each one of you. And when you go through stuff, man, is it easy to just look inward, to just look at yourself, to look at the stuff that you're wrestling with, the pain that you're feeling, and it's easy to forget about people around you. It's easy to forget about the ministry. And here Paul says, I want you to remember your calling. I want you to remember your ministry. And I just want to take a second before we move forward, and I want you to ask the Lord this morning <clears throat> for someone that you can minister to. Someone you can take the gold that the suffering you have walked through has produced in your life and give it to them. Someone who you can reach back and help into the lifeboat. Someone who you can take the lessons that God has taught you in your life and give to. Just say, God, just show me someone, someone that I can reach out to, someone I can minister to, someone I can be a blessing to, someone I can serve. You can open your eyes. The second thing that Paul tells us is to remember the good times. Remember our calling, and then remember the good times. This is in verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Here Paul is remembering the good times 
in his life. He's fixing his mind on the good things, on the things that went well in his life. I don't know if you've noticed this about yourself, but we're pretty good at remembering the bad times. Like the things that happen that don't go well in our life, man, they stick in our head. I was talking to Natalie just yesterday about her softball game, and it's like she wanted to tell me about one thing that didn't go well. And then her mom was like, you got on base every time. Like you scored. Like this went well. It's so easy for us. It's human nature to remember the things that go bad and not think about the things that go good. And Paul's had a lot of stuff that's gone bad in his life. Like there's the whole first half of his life where he was persecuting Christians, not following Christ. Then after he gave his life to Christ, he has broken relationships, broken friendships, even with Christians. He has disappointments, times he was alone, thrown in prison, left for dead. Like there's a lot of stuff that didn't go well. But here, Paul chooses not to remember the times that he fell, but to remember that he got up and remember that he finished the race. There's a song we used to sing sometimes that says, I don't have time to maintain these regrets. And I think that's kind of a good picture of what a lot of us do is we maintain regrets. It's like we chew on these things day after day. We chew on them at night when we can't sleep. We look back at our lives and we think, man, if I would have known, I would have done this differently. If I, if I could have just done this, something would have been different. And we chew on these regrets all the time. And here Paul is saying, that's going to probably lead to bitterness. If you want to come out the other side better, don't chew on what didn't go well, but spend time chewing on what went well. And for each of us, there actually are things that have gone well in our life. Depending on how bad this issue is in your life, this issue of negativity, you might need to do some serious intentional work to get out of this, this negative rut that you're in, this cycle that your brain gets in of negativity. If you're someone who is in that place and you know like you slip into negativity really, really quickly, what I would recommend is you take some time this week and just make a list of the things in your life that have gone well. And if you can't think of any, ask the Lord, Lord, what do you think I've done well? If you still can't get any, then it's time to get a friend that can come alongside you, that can walk with you and say, look, there's a bunch of stuff that I know that's gone well in your life. You've had some hard stuff, but man, there's a pile of stuff that's gone well. And then you take that list of stuff that's gone well in your life, and you go to war with that list. Anytime you have a negative thought slip in your mind, you have to get to that list and read through the list of the things that have gone well in your life. It might take three or four months for you to break the back of this negative cycle in your life to be able to see the things that have gone well in your life. But Paul says if we want to be better instead of bitter, this is a principle we need to learn. The third thing that Paul says is to remember the lessons. This is in verse 14 and 15. It says, Alexander the metal worker, some translations call him a coppersmith, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. So we don't know exactly what happened with Alexander here. I don't know if Paul was reaching out to him and trying to, to lead him to the Lord and trying to minister to him or if Alexander was just around while Paul was sharing the gospel with other people. But what we do know is that Alexander caused a lot of harm and a lot of trouble in Paul's life. And here he's remembering the lessons that he learned from that trouble he had with Alexander, and he's trying to pass that lesson along to Timothy. 
Paul's saying if we can remember the lessons, it's going to make a big difference in our life. One of the best ways that we can shake off bitterness in our life is by remembering the lessons that we've learned in life. Maybe you guys know somebody who it seems like they just seem to repeat the same problem in their life, like over and over and over and over again. They seem to find themselves in the same trouble over and over again. And when you find yourself in that place, that means you're not learning the lesson that God is trying to teach you in your life. And when, when you're in that cycle of repeating the same lesson over and over again, life ends up feeling not fair. And you end up feeling like the victim in your life. And that can oftentimes lead to bitterness. But what Paul is saying is it's not actually that life's not fair. It's just that you're not learning the lesson that God is trying to teach you. And if you learn the lesson, then you come out the other side and you don't make the mis- same mistake. And you come out the other side better. If you don't, then you end up just repeating the same mistake over and over again and oftentimes end up bitter. A really good example of this is the children of Israel. When the children of Israel come out of slavery and out of captivity, they come and they, they go across the Jordan that was split and they walk through on dry ground. They come to the other side and now they're headed to the promised land, right? And then how long does it take them to get to the promised land? Forty years. 40 years. Now, what's absolutely mind-blowing is that walk should have taken 11 days. A walk that should take 11 days. Maybe they got some rebellious kids and some trouble, so it takes them 12. But 40 years, maybe they're helping kids with strollers, and maybe they got some cows and some pets and whatever. But 40 years instead of 11 days, like, how does that even happen? It wasn't that they didn't have a compass it's that they didn't learn the lessons that God was trying to teach them. So they just kept going around the same mountain over and over and over and over again because they refused to learn what God was trying to teach them. I was talking to someone a little while ago who who told me he'd been fired from 14 jobs, and he proceeded to tell me what was wrong with those 14 bosses that he had. And I said, you know, like, that's an interesting story. Like, what, what do you think is the common denominator between, like, each of those bosses? Like, what's the thread in, in there? And he said, he said, you know, they just, they get, they want to rule over me. They get their thumb over me and whatever. I said, well, you know, the common denominator that I see in all those situations is actually you. Like, you're the common denominator in each of those things. Like, maybe you haven't learned the lesson that God's trying to teach you with the first boss. So then you get a new boss and you get to try and learn that lesson again. And if you didn't learn it there, you get to go on. And now this person is in a place where they feel like they are the victim in their life. Life is not fair. I'm always getting dealt a bad deck every time. But really, they just haven't learned the first lesson that God tried to teach them. And now they're just repeating that lesson over and over again, and they're bitter. And Paul's saying, "Don't, don't do that. Like, come out the other side better. Learn the lesson. The next thing that Paul says is to remember what God did. Remember what God did. This is in verse 17. He says, But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. So here Paul is remembering the good things that God did in his life. I don't totally understand the psychology 
of human nature that tends to slide in a negative direction and remember all the negative things. Maybe someone can explain it to me later, but I definitely know it's there. I see it in myself and I see it in, in all the people around, around me is that we tend to slide in a negative direction. And here Paul is saying a remedy for that is to remember the good things that God has done in your life. One of my favorite things to do is to sit with older people who have walked with God for a long time and to listen to them mutter positive prayers to God. To listen to them say, God, thank you, you've been so faithful. You've been so good. You've been so kind to me. And I look at some of the stuff that some of these old people have gone through and I'm like, man, it would be easy for them to be bitter. It would be easy for them to say, God, where were you when this happened? But to see them focus on the things that God did in their life, the way that God was faithful in their life. It's so encouraging to me. April's grandmother was like that. I believe she was 96 when she passed away or something like that. And um, she was so encouraging to me. And oftentimes we would go to Florida to visit her. And sometimes she would be in her living room sitting at her piano practicing her songs to play on the worship team this week. And I mean, she played piano on the worship team up until maybe just a year or two before she passed away. And sometimes I would let her listen to her singing some of these songs, thanking God for his faithfulness, thanking God for his kindness, for his care. And you know, it would have been easy for her to get bitter, to get frustrated. She'd been through some stuff. Uh, I believe she lost two husbands. I believe her first husband passed away when she was pregnant with April's dad. And then she was raising kids alone for a while and trying to provide for the family. And then she eventually remarried. And then eventually that husband passed away. Like she had been through some stuff in life that it would be easy for her to be like, God, where were you when this stuff went on? But she said, no, God, he's been so faithful to me, so kind to me. Sometimes when we would leave, in fact, often when we would leave, she would give us some money as a gift. And I would say, thank you so much. Like, that's so nice of you. And she would say, Oh, God's been so faithful to me. He always provided for every need that I have, and I'm sure he'll do the same for you. And I just love seeing people who have walked with God for a while, walk through some of the hard stuff of life that we go through, and come out the other side, and they, they look back and they see the places that God was faithful in, his, in, in their life, the places that he cared for them and provided for them in their life. So we need to remember what God did. The fifth thing that Paul says is to remember God's promises. This is in verse 18. He said, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. So here, Paul is remembering God's promises for the future. In the last point that Paul makes, he remembers the times where God was good in the past, the times where God was faithful in the past. And here he's standing on God's promises for the future. Now, I can't say this with certainty because I don't know. I'm just speculating. But I almost wonder if Paul, when he said this, was fighting off worry and fear in his life. Because he'd been through some stuff that was rough. Like, he's, I'm sure he's looking back and going like, well, you know, they tried to, to put me in prison and starve me to death. That didn't work. They tried to stone me. That didn't work. I've seen how they killed the other apostles. Like, what's next? Like, how am I going to go? How does this end, God? Like, And in the face of that, he says, whatever evil comes my way, God will rescue me and take me safely home. He reminds himself of God's promises for his life. We need to fight off worry and fear in our life by remembering the promises 
that God made for our future. And then the last thing that Paul says is to remember people. You remember all those names I tried to pronounce appropriately and probably butchered? Paul's remembering all these various people in his life, and he's saying, you know what? Through some of the hard stuff that I've been through, some of the challenges that I walk through, some of the difficult things that I walk through, in those storms, God actually connected me to some of the most wonderful, beautiful people. I might have not gotten to know Priscilla and Aquila. I might have not gotten to know you, Timothy. But like I got to know you guys through the battles that I went through. I didn't have to walk through all those things alone. There was people who got, God brought alongside of me to walk with me. And I'm so thankful, and I remember the people that God brought to come with me. If you want to come out of life better and not bitter, Paul says to remember your calling. Remember the ministry that he's called you to. Remember the good times. And there's a lot of good times that you can remember. Remember the lessons that God was trying to teach you so you don't end up repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Remember what God did for you in the past. Remember God's promises that he has for you in the future. And remember the people that God connected with you along the way. Would you bow your heads this morning? We've been talking about being better together, the fact that we need each other. And I don't know about you, but man, I don't want my life to be a poisonous well that poisons the relationships around me with bitterness. Maybe some of you have been around someone who's been really bitter, who came through life's, the hard stuff of life, and they came out the other side bitter and not better. I don't know about you, but man, I want my life to be a refreshing blessing to the people that I'm in relationship with. And I know that some of you who are here this morning, probably most of you, have been through some really hard stuff. You've walked through some challenges in your life. You've been through some painful situations. You've gone through some stuff that you feel like, man, it cost you something. You came through it, but man, you're not the same. You've been walking through life with a, with a limp, feeling like you're carrying a weight on your shoulders. And you just need the Lord to minister to you this morning. You know you need to put these six things in your life, but man, you just need a fresh touch from God. You need him to minister to the places in your heart that are broken. Maybe some of you feel like you have already done this. You feel like, I, I went through this. God healed me. I'm on the other side. I'm okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. But man, you know deep down that there is pain that you've been carrying. And this morning, you want to invite the Lord into that place. You want to invite the Lord into that place and just ask him to minister to you afresh, to bring further healing so that you could put these six things into your life and come out the other side better instead of bitter. God, we don't want to be people that are bitter. Everyone has to walk through challenges. But Lord, we want to come out the other side better. I want to encourage you to spend some time with the Lord this week. Maybe find an early morning or a late evening and just spend some time with the Lord and say, Lord, which of these six things haven't I put into my life? Maybe you'll be encouraged, and maybe there's a few of them that you have put into your life that have helped you to not be bitter, but maybe there's some more. Maybe there's some, some more things you can add to your life that will help you to get to the other side better. If this morning you feel like this message was for you, and you feel like you know you've been uh, walking through life feeling like the mileage is adding up, like the car of your life has been 
beat up through the various things that you've been through. You're saying, man, I need God to come and meet me in this place again. I just want to invite you to come to the altar and respond and say, God, I want to be here to be ministered to. I want you to touch some of these places in my heart that are still broken and bring healing and freedom so that I don't have to walk through life carrying this weight that I've been carrying. If that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you to come up. We're going to have a a team of people up here that can pray for you and minister to you. And for those of you that don't feel to respond, that's totally okay. You can feel free to just leave quietly, and I would ask you to keep your conversations uh, to the foyer. And I just want to encourage you to have a blessed week. But this morning, if you're in a place where you say, you know what, like some of the stuff that I have been walking through in life, it's adding up. The weight that I've been carrying is, is adding up, and I just need a fresh touch from God. I need him to minister to my heart. And I just want to encourage you to go ahead and respond and come up and find somebody on the ministry team who's up here that can pray for you. Just come and, and stand in front of them and say, God, I want you to come and to minister to me today. Lord, I ask you to bless each one as they go from this place today. I ask you to be with each one. I ask you to give them a blessed week. And Lord, I ask that we would put these six things in our life, that we could come out the other side better and not bitter. Bless you.